obviously on the prompt. So anyway, after four days, they figure out that the problem is maybe related to the fire. Welcome to the prompt, a weekly panel discussion on technology and the culture surrounding Apple and related companies. It is the 16th of October 2013. This is episode 18 of the world's greatest podcast. Welcome back. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm here with Mr. Federico Vitici. Hi, Federico. Hey, Mike. How's it going? I'm very well, sir. How are you? I'm doing very well. As you can tell, my, my voice has improved since last week. That is excellent. <laughs> Thank you. I, I was worried that it might just be me talking to a silent Federico this week. <laughs> maybe doing some gestures in front of the microphone. <laughs> you just keep hitting the microphone to indicate that you agree. No, my my doctor actually said that I, that I was too concerned for for what I had. Hmm. So I was really, you know, but I guess that it's fine to always be uh, better. What is better safe than sorry. Yeah, better safe than sorry. So she made fun of me slightly <laughs> for being too concerned, but uh, it's cool, you know. Uh, I showed her some betas that I have on my iPhone. Oh, how did she I, feel about that? Uh, actually, it was. I didn't really plan to because we were talking about my upcoming, you know, schedule of appointments, and I and so I pulled out this couple of apps that I'm using, mm. and um, oh, one that has a schedule in. You say how interesting. Uh, I, I I won't comment on that, <laughs> and um, so uh, you know, I recommended the app, and then um. I told the developer, you know, I showed the app to my doctor. I hope you don't mind. And uh, so everything's fine. Okay. I'm, I'm doing some promotion with my, with my hospital peeps. It's I nice. Guess. What, <laughs> what I guess is nice, really, when this is, this is interesting for the listeners, know, for the listeners to know. So I've actually had some people contact me saying that they know that I've seen X application because I know you. Federico <laughs> doesn't show us anything. <laughs> Yep. anything like we beg him <laughs> to send us screenshots of some apps he just won't do it he either says no which is rare what he t- tends to do is just ignores the message <laughs> and we'll be like oh hey guys have you seen this gift that i found here's a, here's a cat doing something he does that instead so we are a co-host down this week um our southern friend mr stephen hackett he's out um with some some family stuff this week so we want to send him our love and uh, people should should do that to him on Twitter at ISMH. Just let him know that you're thinking of him, you care about him. If you follow him, then you'll you'll know why. But we have some follow up, Federico, as we always we do. do. Follow up. And oh boy, we've had a lot of follow up this week. It seems, Mike, like you like you jinxed people. Yeah, with your, <laughs> with your iPhone crashes. <laughs> it seems that uh, a lot of people, yourself included, um, were, were having lots of crashes with iOS seven this week. Um, I've included a couple of tweets, like the first two tweets that we got. But this week, so there's a, a couple of tweets, one from uh, Josh D. Brock, uh, one from Bart Dorsey. We've put there, we put them in the in the show notes. And uh, so they're in there. So you will find that. They have been having the same sort of crashes that we have been having. Um, Federico, you have started to receive crashes on your iPhone too now. Uh, I saw one. Just like you said, I opened the multitasking view, and uh, I I think that I was uh, trying to open the the forecast uh, web app, which I saved on my iPhone as a as a home screen 
web application. And uh, as soon as I open the multitasking uh, view and I tap the, the, the screenshot of the app, uh, my old phone crashed and, and I had a, a reboot, just like you said. And, and it was really strange because I, I had many crashes and reboots before, but not related to the multitasking view. So oh. I, I don't know what you did, Mike, but you did something. And I will find out how. I, I know that this is not a coincidence, Mike. Um, I can never confirm or deny my involvement. <laughs> I won't comment on that, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely happening. And, and it seems like I'm having more and more and more. I guess that maybe we'll, we'll see some new fixes next, next week. You know, with the conference coming up, or with the with the keynote and all the announcements, maybe they will find time to you know ship a software update for 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 an OS that is just installed on a couple of millions devices. I mean, people have been reporting a lot of issues with iOS seven. I hope that they they fix them. The weird thing is, though, I did not have this bug until the GM. So I don't know what must have changed. Oh, actually, I can tell you what I think might have changed. He says that. I just say, oh, I don't know, but it's actually in the document here um, from Mac Rumors. So apparently, so, but this doesn't explain it fully, but it might explain why I'm having maybe more than some people. This is a quote from a Mac Rumors article. The app crash rates on the iPhone 5S are attributed to unforeseen issues that developers have had transitioning to the new internals of the iPhone 5S, such as rewriting drivers and code for the phone's 64-bit A7 chip, an M7 coprocessor. So I, I don't know how to 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 correlate the the crashes to the M7. Honestly, the M7 doesn't make sense to me. But the A7, yeah. the 64-bit architecture, I can understand. And I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm sort of pulling this out of the air. But maybe you're seeing some crashes because apps that are being recompiled for 64-bit are now crashing in 32-bit. I don't know. Hmm. But that could yeah. maybe and make sense. You have an iPhone 5s, right? I do. Yeah. So maybe you're seeing crashes for the because developers didn't have the time to properly test the, the updates. Maybe I don't know. But then again, the multitasking view is another problem. It's yeah, not really related to developers at all. I guess I don't know. We should have Syracuse on 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 this. Maybe Marco trying to to explain what's going on. Syracuse, having him on the show, you would be up the whole evening. <laughs> Do you know when, I, because he, uh, he can only record in the, I'm just, this is a random thing. He can only record in the evening, right? So when I recorded Command Space of him, we were, mm-hmm. we were like, we finished at like half three in the morning, my time. Your which, time? Yeah, which I was more than happy to do because I really wanted him on the show. And he told huh. me, he was like, I can do it, but I can't do it until this time. I was like, fine, no problem. Um, I made sure I was working from home the next day. And, uh, <laughs> and it didn't help as well that I, maybe kept him for longer than I should have. He was very kind. I, I was actually talking to him out at Sopranos for a while on the show. <laughs> that was you know, a fun I, episode, though. I, I, I got I to watch The Sopranos. Have you not seen The Sopranos? No, because now that Breaking Bad is over, I, I need my, my, my TV drama fix. So uh, I'm looking and I'm considering The Sopranos. Here. I would really, really recommend The Sopranos. Mm. I've actually started watching it again recently. Hmm. It's that good, huh? It's that good. Hmm. It is really, really excellent. Really, really. Mm-hmm. It's one of. I think it may potentially be my favorite TV show ever made. Hmm. 
That's quite the endorsement. Mm -hmm. right? Even more than Breaking Bad, and I love Breaking Bad, but hmm. this is yeah. We'll see. We'll see. This is all. It's altogether a, a totally different and, and more incredible thing. It's about the, the Italian American mafia, right? Mm -hmm. In Long yeah. Island mm -hmm. and New York. Nice. Nice, I, I guess nice, <laughs> quote unquote yep. nice. Actually, I don't think it's Long Island. Where are they? New, New York and New Jersey, sorry. I thought mm -hmm. I had to correct myself, Federico, because there would be people that would not forgive me for saying something. Oh, so like you that. don't know American geography. Oh, I, <laughs> I should do though, really, I guess. So you got the time to learn the, the UK and Great Britain stuff, but you don't have time to learn about the uh, 51, 52? 52. 52 American states? 70? States? I have no idea. I don't oh. know. Steven, Steven is going to be mad about this. I, I, all of our <laughs> listeners are going to be mad about this, Federico. I don't think we just need to worry about Steven. Oh, yeah. dear. So anyway... Uh, oh, I do have a, a couple have, of other... Uh, uh, yeah. We still have loads more follow-ups. Let me, let, mm -hmm. me, let me go through. So um, at underscore J-S-H Miller, um, J-S-H-M-L-L-R. He gave... I'm going to put these links in the show notes for people. If you want to find out why, what what is crashing um, your iPhone, apparently if you go to settings, general, about, and diagnostic, you can read a diagnostics list, which tells you uh, the latest crash, and it will tell you apps or processes that have crashed recently. I can't really make head nor tail of what it actually means. But if you are the type of person that can understand these sorts of things, it will give you an idea as to actually what it is that's crashing your iPhone. And anybody can do this. Like You don't have to have a developer account or anything like that to do that. Yeah, that's, good. that's, a, that's a good tip because um, that's the same method that I use to, uh, to email crashes to developers when, I, when I'm testing apps. Okay. Yeah. You can and, and and something that now that we're talking about this, something that I've always wanted was a, a little email button in the in the screen to you know because you gotta copy the whole text manually, and uh, and there's no email shortcut. So there's my small feature request. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. That feels like one of those things that you're never gonna get because it's so yeah <laughs> yeah it's really a buried screen in, in the settings but what i've been doing is to go there uh, select a, a crash report and um you know you can you can select a long piece of text on ios and then select all and then i open the dropper application and, and i create a new note which is kind of you know clunky as a system mm -hmm. that's my that's my teachy tip at the, at the beginning of the show. Just a teachy tip just thrown right in there to people yeah. that beta test applications. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, friend of the show, Stephen Aquino, um, he called you out on his blog um, yeah. about the date picker. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and, he, and he really does have a point here. Yep. And I totally understand his perspective. So, uh, Stephen is... Um, I guess uh, the legally blind mm -hmm. is the is the right term. So he he pointed out a lot of um, side problems for the date picker, which is very low contrast, uh, thinner typography. So it's really more difficult to to interact with for for people uh, with with the same issues that that he has. And uh, and I really really appreciate the the fact that the Stephen pointed this out because. Uh, I think that when we use our devices and, and we don't consider the, the accessibility perspective, it's easy uh, to do what I did, uh, uh, which was to, to assume that a design is always great no matter the context. 
All right. So um, Stephen here makes a series of really good points, and um, I really, I really recommend reading his post on the on the matter. And uh, uh, maybe, maybe Apple will listen to this kind of feedback, you know, because for for people with uh, that that rely upon the accessibility features, design changes aren't just you know graphical changes. They they really affect the way that people use these devices. So I hope that the feedback that that Apple listens to also includes this kind of feedback because it's really, really uh, a different and equally important perspective to, to consider. Uh, Stephen has really good uh, coverage on this sort of stuff. Like yeah. if, if you're interested in like accessibility and how it affects real people, he's always uh, tweeting or writing about these sorts of topics. and mm-hmm. He's actually a really, really great resource for this sort of stuff. Yeah, he wrote a he wrote a great article for the magazine he did. last year. He yeah. did. I'll or put, was it this year? Uh, I can't remember. I don't know. I'll put that in the show notes. I'm sure I can find that. That. Yeah, I'm sure you can find it in 20 seconds, which are Google skills, Mike. Well, I, I already have found it. <laughs> See, <laughs> so Mike Hurley, a man of surprises. What can I say? It's, it's how I it's how I roll. All right. <laughs> so, um, you wanna give? Give some an update on something that you helped launch this week. Oh yeah, I'll be really happy to. Um, so as you know, if you follow me, I've been helping my lovely girlfriend uh, Sylvia to you know to launch a set of icons. Um, it's a it's a set called Essence, and it's um, I guess the, you would call it uh, a toolbar icon set for iOS 7 that developers can buy and use in their applications. And it's attribution free. And uh, it's uh, made of 300 icons in two versions. Uh, I don't know how many formats, how many sizes. It's really a lot of you know uh, options that you get by buying the set. And it's just 20 bucks. And I know that she spent uh, since June, how many months is that? Uh, four months trying to really make it right um, because last year she she released this uh, set of icons for omnifocus uh, called perspective icons which allowed you to customize the the look of your perspectives in omnifocus by using different icons and the set was really really well received so she knew that for her second release she wanted to really make it right even more than the first time and um, so during the summer, a lot of iOS 7-inspired icon sets came out. And it was difficult, I guess, to, to, keep, to keep her motivated, especially when you see all these competitors and, and, uh, and free sets and, and people downloading freebies and all that kind of stuff. And, and she knew that she wanted to, to do a, a good work by charging for it. And uh, so I encourage her to... You know, to keep it going, to to believe in the project, and uh, and it's been and and it's going great, and I'm really happy for her. I'm really proud of her, and um, so yeah, that's that's my little project that I've been helping on the side, and I'm uh, really happy that it turned out well, and that developers are liking it, and uh, you know, she's been getting great feedback, and uh, she'll be back with free updates soon. Good, they look really great, so I'm, I'm happy that it's going well. That's awesome. <laughs> I know, Mike, that you're a fan of the underpants icon. 
I like un- I like underpants, <laughs> and uh, it's a good that's a good. That's good to know, Mike. That's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, why do I do these things to myself? I I like apparently I like underpants now, so that's that's good to know, isn't it? Um, I'm already putting that in for a uh, a clip for next week. <laughs> Save for future reference. Oh dear. So uh, one last thing before we finish the uh, follow up for this week. So. It seems that we could have potentially a new co-host for the show, um, and that is in uh, it's taken the guise of the the young Hackett, so Josiah Hackett <laughs> Stephen's son. Um, he was caught this week by uh, Mary Stephen's wife saying the following, and she tweeted this, and, and I put it in the show notes. This is what she overheard him say: uh, "Welcome to the Fixin' Phones podcast with Mike." <laughs> with Mike. <laughs> so uh basically Josiah was in his room pretending to be hosting a podcast with me which <laughs> is incredible it's just absolutely yeah. hilarious and then his sister came in uh, to which he 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 let her know that he wanted her to shush because he was trying to bacord <laughs> to what bacord b a c o r d instead of record and then asked to not be bothered so i want i just want to make this clear that josiah is welcome on this show anytime he's clearly got a great future in broadcasting yeah let me tell you young hackett is much better than the father <laughs> I have no comment, and I think with that... I'm sorry, Stephen. But it's just the way it is. Yeah. So, let's talk about our sponsor, one of our sponsors. We have two excellent sponsors this week, Federico. That's great to know, Mike. It's good to know, and I'm going to talk about the first one right now, and that is Squarespace. Squarespace. They are back to sponsor the show again. They are the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TALLYHO10. It's going to get you 10% off. Now, if you've listened to the show in the past... You're going to have heard me talk about Squarespace's excellent 24-7 support. They're beautiful templates that you can get and you can implement them straight away. The fact that they offer hosting and domains and absolutely everything that you need if you want to create a site. But if you're somebody that sells things online, I want to talk to you and let you know about Squarespace Commerce. Now, Squarespace Commerce is a system that Squarespace have created which can integrate into any Squarespace template, any Squarespace site, and allow you to sell physical or digital goods. So Squarespace Commerce is currently available in the US, the UK, Canada, Australia, Belgium, France, Germany, Ireland, the Netherlands, and Spain. So basically, they're working with Stripe, and Stripe is their payment processing system. Um, You can set up an account with them within 30 seconds. You get instant approval. You don't need any paperwork for that. Um, So basically, as Stripe is expanding into new territories, Squarespace Commerce can go with them as well. So... As well, so with the Stripe stuff, so Stripe will charge you 2.9% plus $0.30 per successful transaction. That's for all of the payment processing, which is PCI compliant, SSL enabled, but Squarespace put no other transactional fees on top of that. So that's all the payment processing taken care of. People love Stripe. They're they're fantastic for this stuff. They're low maintenance. They're out of the way. They don't spam your customers. But what you get with Squarespace Commerce is you get a fantastic interface that allows you to sell physical or digital goods seamlessly. Digital goods, for example, people will receive customized email links that expire within after 24 hours. So if you're sending somebody, it's like 
if you were sending somebody a book that you've written, um, like an ebook, then it will expire after 24 hours. So you like send it around the internet or whatever. They have express checkout mode, which allows you to bypass the shopping cart. You can all in one interface track outstanding orders, resend customer update emails, print packing slips. You can, you have full tax and shipping rules by region. You can accept donations if that's the thing that you want to do instead of just selling stuff. You can accept donations if you're Squarespace uh, commerce. You can export your order data to a CSV format for all of your accounting and spreadsheet needs. You can set up mailing lists. If you want to move your existing inventory from Shopify or Big Cartel, you can do that in just a few clicks. There is so much more. If you are a person that sells stuff online, go check out Squarespace Commerce. Go sign up for a free trial of Squarespace by going to squarespace.com. Sign up there for a two-week free trial. And don't forget to use the offer code TALLYHO10 at checkout. It's going to get you 10% off. Also, it will help support the prompt and all of 5x5. Thank you to them for their continued support of the show. Federico. Mike. I want to talk about uh, automation a little bit with you. Hmm. So, How come that you want to talk about such an advanced topic? Well, uh, last week, pretty much just after the show last week, uh, Launch Center Pro 2 launched for the iPhone. Mm-hmm. Um, this is by contrast to were previously App Cubby. Of course, my fantastic co-host is with me today, had a great review. It was actually reading your review that made me decide that I wanted to get into this. Mm -hmm. So, Mike, before you continue, Mm. this is where you come clean. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Please continue. So, I've never done anything like this before. Um, I've never been... uh, What am I coming clean about? Your addiction to to URL schemes. Oh yes. Uh, well, <laughs> so I, I like that you had to to think about it. I just wanted to check. <laughs> I, I I just wanted to check that it wasn't one of my uh, things that Mike, I'm do you stupid have about. Anything that's to confess? Uh, not right now. I mean, okay. there's always there's always things that I you know that I have to confess about on the show that that make people call me stupid. You know, mm-hmm. you know, like the <laughs> no. fact that I have eight, I had eight gigabytes of photos on my iPhone. The fact that I don't have a robust backup strategy, things like this. Okay, okay, okay. You have a point. So I was, I was just wanted to double check. So Launch Center <laughs> okay. Pro Two. I've never really played around with URL schemes before. I've tried at, I've tr- uh, used the original Launch Center Pro. Um, I have drafts as well, and I never really got. I don't know why I never really got into them, but I think working with you, uh, reading the stuff that you put about this, I'm like right. This has clearly been very useful to Federico, so let me try it out. So I started playing around with Launch Center Pro. Um, it looks fantastic. I really like it. If you want the, sort of the lowdown on it, then you should read Federico's review, which will be in the show notes at 5x5.tv slash prompt slash 18. So one of the things that I've really been enjoying is like, um, so I've been digging in and I've been sort of tinkering around trying to set some stuff up and I've been experimenting with some stuff as well. Like one thing that I really loved that I found out all by myself <laughs> is for Google Drive. So I use Google Drive a lot. We plan all our show notes in Google Drive. Um, and I thought, let me see how I can do this. If I can maybe try and find a way to um, set up like a group of actions in Launch Center Pro 2 that will allow me to trigger and open specific Google Drive documents. So like I have one for the prompt, one for command space, one for Bionic and so on. So... I grabbed the URL of the 
individual document which you can get from the Google Drive app. And it's like HTTP drive.google, blah, blah, blah. So I thought, let me just try, knowing what I do a little bit about the way that URL schemes work. Um, I changed the URL to be Google Drive colon forward slash forward slash and then the URL instead you know, removed the HTTP bit and it opened the document in the Google Drive app and then my mind was blown um, as you are aware Federico because I think I, to- I think I said that you changed my life yeah I think something along those lines yeah. I, I was I was very excited so now for example in launch center um, I have a uh, Google Drive group of actions so these are a each action is something that will happen an event in another application which is triggered via a url scheme so many many apps are supported like tweetbot and instagram and google drive so i basically have a group of actions for all of my shows that i do and when i select one so when i sort of drag my finger onto one of them so for example the prompt it flies over to the google drive application and opens the prompt current topic list which is perfect so now I don't need to have the Google Drive app on my home screen anymore. I have Launch Center Pro 2 instead, and I have a much easier and nicer way to get to all of the information that I frequently use in Google Drive. And I also have one action to just open Google Drive in case I need to create a new document or something. Um, I've got some other stuff in there, like I have some tweetbot actions. I have some uh, people that I call frequently. I have some people that I text frequently. I've been setting up like um, shortcuts to text, like Sammy, my my better half, or you, Federico, and Stephen, and Matt, and and people in my family and stuff. And I've been setting up group stuff. I've been basically digging in and just tinkering, <laughs> and I love it. I feel like people that listen to this show are going to have a rough idea of what URL schemes are. I feel like I've done an okay job at explaining it. Would you? Is there anything else that you could say that maybe would shine a bit more light on it for people that are not following so far, Federico? I guess that I would only add that um, besides opening a specific view or document inside an app, you can also take advantage of URL schemes to execute actions yeah. without having to open an app and, and tapping buttons and, and, you know, interacting with the app. You can also use URL schemes to, to do stuff, not just to, to launch stuff. And uh, once you get the hang of, of the, this whole process, it's really convenient. And um, uh, I have to ask you, Mike, um, so it, it does sound like you set up many actions. Mm-hmm. Do you find yourself actually using all of them on a daily basis? Or do you think that maybe because you are so excited? And, and I totally understand because uh, last year when I, when I started to go into this whole process, I, I did the same thing. Do you feel like you're using all these actions or maybe you could get rid of some of them? Because they are nice shortcuts, but you know you have uh, the, the muscle memory. You're, mm-hmm. you're still used to open apps manually. That was exactly why I stopped using the uh, first version of Launch Center Pro because Mm -hmm. I put all these things in and I just wasn't using them. And it is even still like that to a point. Like I've got some in here like to open the Instagram camera or to set up a new event in Fantastical and I've not used those actions yet. I'm just playing around with it. But there is a couple of things that I am, like the Google Drive stuff, I'm really using that. And I'm starting to get to grips and trying to change my habits to use some of them more. So, for example, I send the same. I send my mother the same text message every day. She likes to know when I get to work. 
It's just something that she likes to know that I'm okay in the morning and I've arrived at work. It's just a thing. So <laughs> yeah, I, mother, mothers are all the same for this. Exactly. So yeah. I send I have I send her every single day, Federico, a text message says I'm at work and everything's okay, right? And I set up a one of those keyboard shortcuts in um, iOS. Like in the, you know, you can set up like your own keyboard shortcuts. Yeah. Yeah, if yeah. anybody doesn't know this, by the way, if you go to settings, uh, general, keyboard, yeah, and I then think. shortcuts, you can add your own shortcuts, kind of like text expander shortcuts. And then when you're typing in any app, you can set up your own sort of shortcut for them and it fires it off. So I do that. But now I'm... Uh, now I have this one in, in Launch Center and I'm trying to get into the habit. So basically, I can open the message thing. I can tap on the picture of my mum and it will open a new message and it will automatically pre-fill that snippet of text. Yeah. So that sort of stuff. And I'm trying to get used to doing that. And basically, for me, like I've been spending a lot of time playing around with new things. So I wanted to try and find a way to... So let's say you're promoting something. People, like they tweet about it and they post to app.net. And I want to find a way to, via Launch Center, to open up a text field, enter a text field, have it copied to the clipboard, open Tweetbot, paste it, I click post, and then it opens Felix, and then it's already pasted and I click post. I'm struggling to get that to work. I've got it to the point where I can chain both apps together, and Mm -hmm. this is via the X callback URL, which is a whole new thing that I'm trying to understand. So I'm I'm digging into it, and, and I feel like, or I hope that this is kind of like how you started. So that's what I wanted to yeah. ask you. How did you, so you started with this stuff, you started getting involved. How did you learn about the, because like the syntax makes no sense to me. Yeah, it's really, um, it sounds uh, silly, but it's really trial and error because there is no centralized resource to, to learn about it's a shame. Not not just the, the, the basic idea of launching a URL because that's really basic. Like you can go in Safari and you type a URL and you open it. Uh, it's not really that. It's it's the fact that um, there is no 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 single place to to see like an index of all these apps that supports the, the schemes and all the workflows that you can do. Uh, I have been trying to to cover as many apps as possible on Mac Stories, but of course I wouldn't recommend Mac Stories because that's a blog. That's not a. I guess you really need a documentation for this, and and not just a documentation for a single app or for a single system such as the X callback URL, but a documentation that covers all the possible workflows and 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 high level ideas such as chaining apps together or using the the prompting launch center pro uh, there's really a lot of stuff going on and um, what i did was to uh first to do a lot of google search and uh, i've been doing that yeah. yeah that's that's really the the basic starting point my second tip would be to to go to pinboard and browse the um, url scheme tag it's a it's a public tag and uh, you can see what people have been bookmarking and hopefully you'll find uh, some maybe some uh, github uh, gists or maybe a tutorial by somebody else so you can you can find a lot of cool links on pinboard and that has been helping me a lot and um and then i, I would guess to to get in touch with people on twitter to you know get in touch with developers uh, requests to to explain a url scheme if they don't have any documentation maybe send an email and uh, it's really it's really ios has been supporting url schemes since uh, i guess iphone os 1 
because the HTTP itself, it's a, it, that's Safari's URL scheme. And, um, but there's not really a, a single community and, and, and dedicated resource to, for this. So um, my suggestion would be to really get in touch with people a lot. Google search, pinboard, and, and bookmark things. Because even if you tinker and play around for, with this stuff, you're going to forget eventually how do you search um, tags on, on pinboard I, I don't use you can you can go to pinboard.in uh-huh. slash t as tag uh, column and the name of a tag okay I'll put that yeah. in the show notes for people as well mm-hmm. so um, let me ask you Mike um, do you feel like using a URL scheme is better when the app that you're trying to uh, I guess to speed up do you feel like using the URL scheme is better when the, the the target application is you know maybe kind of boring you know maybe you don't wanna you don't want to look at the the app's interface all the time so you 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 create the shortcut because you really don't want to lose time in that app whereas for apps that are so I guess so well put together so fast such as Fantastical. Do you feel like the URL scheme is, is, is convenient, but not really absolutely necessary? I think that's exact. I think I've definitely found the latter. So like, I know that I can input all this stuff like via Launch Center Pro for Fantastical, and I have a, an action set for it, but Fantastical works really quickly anyway. So this was like the problem that I had originally. Why bother just going to another app to launch it? That didn't make sense to me. Because as well, like Launch Center suffers from the, a, a problem that all apps do, which is there is a slight lag in the opening. So my thinking was, if I'm if I open Launch Center and then I just wait that like millisecond for the app to be available to me, and then I launch Fantastical, and then that opens, and then I wait that millisecond, I might as well have just launch Fantastical and, and you know and added the the entry because Fantastical is on my home screen anyway because yeah. I check it all day for my appointments <laughs> because the notification center view for calendar now is now useless uh, you know, it, compared to how it used to be where it just listed your events for you including what were your all-day <laughs> events and now yeah. like you just get your next event is this if your events aren't all within the next four hours of each other you won't see them all anyway yeah it doesn't it's it's a it's a good idea in theory the implementation is uh, kind of awful. The problem was, version. if you were someone like me who used the old view all day, every day, then the new view is not helpful. I mean, yeah. because, for example, I, I have events in the morning and in the daytime, and I have events much later in the evening because I have, like, my two jobs. So if I'm in the morning, I can't see what I'm doing in the evening. But anyway, hmm. that's just a... a a problem that I have. Um, maybe, but, maybe, maybe Apple wants you to live a, a, a calmer life. I, you know what? That's a, a <laughs> nice way to put it. <laughs> it's, it's, not a, it's not a problem. It's a feature, Mike. Yeah, the feature is relax the your life a little bit. Chill out, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, I do find that that it, that sometimes if I enjoy using an app, I'm less likely to use the, the URL for it. And so what I'm finding is, and this is kind of doing what I, I, I what I wanted to do, I'm becoming much more interested in this stuff. 
um and and I know that I want to play around more and I've mm-hmm. you know I've had some ideas like I had the idea to myself was you know if I want to post something to Twitter and app.net why can't I have something that does that for me and I'm still trying to find a way out if it's possible to do it the exact way that I want mm-hmm. I don't yeah, know that, if it is that's really that's really the the core uh, problem of this you have to find uh, something that you want to do better and faster uh, because if you're just playing around with with this uh, uh, URL scheme stuff and uh, automation and callbacks, if you're just using it to to demonstrate that it's possible, it won't stick. Uh, you'll eventually forget. You, know, you won't care about it, and you'll you know you'll stop using apps like Launch Center Pro or Drafts or Terminology. If you find a problem, though, if you find something that you can, you can really say, oh, man, I really need this every day. And uh, if you find that maybe that script or that uh, URL scheme, that workflow, that really, really is beneficial on a, on a daily basis and practically beneficial, not just in theory. Uh, that's really, uh, I guess, um, the point when you go, oh, yeah, this is nice. And uh, so uh, I'm trying to... I've been trying to look at, at the way that that I use all these uh, all these URL, URLs and and scripts and uh, so as you know, Mike. Um, every time I, I set up a new a new version of iOS, I I don't restore from a backup. Uh-huh. I start fresh, and um, so every every time I I, I update my iOS, I I just import the the, the context from iCloud uh, and the calendar. And uh, so I don't have any of my shortcuts or scripts. And uh, every time I, I try to, to say, you know, let me just see how long I can survive without all my, without all my tools or my arsenal of, of, <laughs> of apps. And uh, every time uh, I have to give up because I, found, I find something that, that I need the automation for. You know, and 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 I and I can see why mine is an edge case because I mean I'm I'm using Python scripts to to generate screenshots from my stories, so th- that's not really what you would see in the average usage of of an iPhone customer. Yeah, but that's but, um, that's what makes I, people like me and, and you interesting is the amount of work that they do on these devices. And because I've been talking about this a bit recently, Federico, I realize that my main computer is my iPhone. Um, mm. And we have different reasons for this. You know, for you, you've, you fell into it when you were at a point in your life where you could only have small devices with you that had long mm-hmm. battery life. And for me, it's because I don't have access to my own computer for nine hours of my day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have work that I need to do for this stuff during that time. Um, and luckily I'm in a position where I'm able to do that as well. Where I'm able to juggle both throughout the day. But I'm using a Windows machine mm-hmm. and it's heavily locked down for the things that I can and can't do on it. So I need to be able to do things on my phone. And I do lots of things on my phone like this. You know, uh, I have all my calendar appointments. I'm checking my social networks and responding to email and uh, creating outlines for shows and stuff like that. So what I'm trying to do, all of this is for me to try and work smarter. Mm -hmm. And that's what it is. It's not even necessarily faster. I don't need URL schemes to make things quicker 
to me. And and, mm-hmm. and a lot of the times they don't. Like you, they actually they they make things a bit can make things a bit strange and slow or whatever. Like sometimes it it would like it might be slower for me to access the prompt uh, document list by going into Google Drive, but it's easier. And mm-hmm. that's the kind of what I'm trying to do is to eliminate things that take extra steps for me. And I'm just trying to make, and what I eventually want to do, my goal in trying to learn more about URL schemes is I want to have the ability to do multiple things at once. So to trigger something that does something which I would usually have to do manually over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to, to speed up all the repetitive tasks. Yeah, just, do, just to yeah. make it more pleasant for me. So what I'm trying to do at the moment is I'm I'm thinking a lot about common tasks and trying to find ways to make them smoother. I guess that there are two points to this. It, the, the first one is is uh, this one that you that you just brought up, and that is the to to find things that can speed you up and and make uh, working with with an iPhone or an iPad faster and easier and more pleasant. And I guess the second part of this uh, topic is that. Many people don't know that it's possible to to get serious work done on an iPad or an iPhone. So you have the the shortcut launchers like LaunchSign Pro or Drafts that you can use to to speed up your tasks. And you have the the complex uh, and and more advanced things like Editorial, Pythonista, uh, and those kinds of of apps that can allow you to, 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 you know, you can be a a programmer (laughs) with Python. On, a, on an iOS device and you can you can communicate with web services and with apis you can you can do all sorts of crazy things yeah and um, so I, I I wonder if maybe this will get to the point where Apple will uh, kind of acknowledge the fact that there are people out there using iPhones and iPads as their primary computers because Apple Apple likes to 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 bring this idea up every time. Uh, people are using iOS devices as computers, as and we are in post PC era, but they don't show examples of actual people doing this on on, on regularly. So they have maybe a few web pages for businesses who are deploying iPads, and there is the the the, the occasional mention at the keynote. I would like to see Apple maybe doing uh, I don't know if maybe on the App Store, maybe on Apple dot com or. Maybe put more focus on the fact that behind beyond the words and beyond the nice marketing, there are people who are working with apps and not just businesses and not just big corporations, but people like you, Mike, maybe, or maybe somebody else like Dr. Dr. Drang, who needs to, to, to write a Python script while, while he's driving out of town and he can do that on an iPhone. Those are the great examples that I would guess that they are not the kind of uh, stories that can move millions of customers, but they can reinforce an idea, which is the idea that these are serious devices, not just the device for Angry Birds or what is the latest game that that is currently fashionable. Yep. So um, I'm really I'm really curious to see you going through this process, and um, I've been I've been following your iMessages. <laughs> You know, when when you find out about a new URL scheme, and um, and not just because uh, it's really the the same situation that I was in a few months ago, um, but because it, it is so 
interesting to 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 see how other people can you know get to the same point i was at like it's it's a, it's a whole new world opening up in front of you yeah i was like how come i didn't know about all these mm-hmm. all these all these apps being capable of doing these things so i'm really excited for you mike so i hope you found i hope you'll find the perfect workflow <laughs> That's like when somebody wishes someone to find like the perfect husband or wife. I hope you find the perfect workflow for you. I, <laughs> yes, I I hope you you will find it, Mike. And I hope that that you will have a happy life and a calm life because Apple wants you to. That keep that, that in mind. Um so I'm you know I'm probably going to keep people updated about this because I think it's going to be a a process. Uh <laughs> for everyone it's gonna be a journey uh-huh, a journey for sure <laughs> and i'm interested to sort of dig into drafts as well because i know drafts is very different yeah it's a lot less it's, visual but it's, more it's, powerful it's really it's for text yeah it's uh and 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 the thing that draft says uh, is um that it can send text to evernote and to dropbox so you can create notes you can use uh timestamps for dates and for time you can create text notes, append text to an existing note, prepend text to an existing note. So that's really for text nerds. Uh, drafts is still the best app that you can get for this. It also seems like drafts is really good for a conduit for chaining actions. Yeah, because um, I think that the way that Greg, the developer, uh, built the URL scheme. I mean, Greg is the, is the author of the X callback URL, yep. so of course Greg knows what he's doing. And um, the way that 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 he allowed users to to create URL scheme uh, based actions and to handle the encoding of the schemes and to use uh, variables and tags to you know to to avoid typing manually all these values uh, that you have to enter. Uh, I find that Draft's way of, of creating actions is still superior to anything else. And, 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 and uh, I'm really happy to see that Greg has brought the same engine to Terminology 3, which was released yesterday. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, Drafts and LaunchTerner Pro, they are uh, the, 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 the most popular and, and the most powerful solutions for uh, iPhone automation. Uh, Launch Turner Pro is more visual and, and it can handle photos and, and the clipboard and, uh, you know, and it's got this uh, Dropbox chooser to pick files from your Dropbox. Drafts is more text-oriented. Uh, so it's really, they complement each other very well, I think. Yeah, see, I've been thinking, this is the last thing I'll say and then we'll move on because we have something. We want to talk about Nintendo <laughs> a little bit, of course, because it's just because the two of us today. Steven is in here. So, <laughs> so <laughs> we, uh, get, we get to... We get to we get to talk about our dirty secret, so, Nintendo love. So I think... Uh, <laughs> it's like when you're a kid uh, and maybe you want to smoke a cigarette and you hide from your parents. It's, yeah, it's kind of like that, I guess. Yeah, um, <laughs> It's more healthy, though. In my mind, I envision that once I really sort of get to grips more of this stuff is that I will pair Launch Center and Drafts. So like to trigger something with Launch Center, which opens an app, goes to Drafts, does a thing, goes off, comes back. Because that's what I've been noticing when searching around is it seems like you can do something in Drafts 
and then the URL will come back and then it can trigger off another application and come back and do another. You know, that's what, that's what I'm starting to see is quite an interesting thing. So that seems yeah, very once powerful. You, once you start going down the rabbit hole of chaining apps, <laughs> <laughs> it's re- I mean, I know I know a, a friend of mine and, and, a, and a great guy that I follow on Twitter, uh, his name is Alex, uh, I, I don't know how to pronounce the last name, um, I'll send you a link, Mike, so maybe you can, I guess it's Guayo, uh, Guayo, I, I don't know. Uh, he was able last year to chain something like 25 apps in a single workflow. Yeah, that was crazy. And, and I think that since then he's done more, like 40. Why would you do that? Uh, he was very clear about the fact that it was a demo to to show that it was possible. Right, okay. I was going to say, I can't yeah. think of why. <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess unless you are some sort of a, a serial app user with a serious problem, uh, I don't know why you would do that. You have 20 different social networks you want to update at once. <laughs> yeah, I guess that if you're, a, if you're a verified user, you need to keep your, your brand engaged. Uh, what, what, what am I saying? I don't know, all these new words so <laughs> you know you know Mike I, I would really like to get a verified page only instead yeah. of blue I would like I would like it to have the Italian flag like a verified Italian that would be nice yeah yeah you are the only verified Italian <laughs> you know I like that I don't that. know so anyway let's let's um, you know our little secret mm-hmm so uh, mm-hmm. before we do that, okay, I have another sponsor to tell people about. Oh, nice. So I want to talk about HostGator.com. HostGator is a premier web hosting provider. If you're looking to start a website, HostGator can help you get started with monthly hosting plans, one-click installs, and tons of other features that make getting your site up and running super easy. If you're a more advanced user or a business, HostGator can take care of you with reseller plans, VPS, and dedicated servers. HostGator guarantees 99.9% uptime no matter your size or needs. When you host with HostGator, you're going to get unlimited disk space and bandwidth too. If you are a WordPress user and you're looking for a host right now, Wink, wink. You're going to love their one-click installs and optimized hosting platform. They have a free site builder, which there's some fantastic tools for that too, so they are really easy to use. But if you find yourself needing any help, they have 24-7 customer support to ensure everything's running smoothly. I think 24-7 support is awesome. I love it when our sponsors have that. So head on over to hostgator.com. That's H-O-S-T-G-A-T-O-R.com to learn more. And I've got a really special offer, Federico. So the guys over us guys over at Five by Five have worked with Hostgator to mm-hmm. do a special offer because of some interesting things that have happened in the hosting world this week. Oh yeah. <laughs> so go to hostgator.com and if you use the code switch it up, that's S W I T C H I T U P before October twenty second, two thousand and thirteen, you're gonna get 50% off anything that you buy at Hostgator and five dollars off any custom domain that's pretty awesome right yeah yeah that's really nice so hostgator have done this incredible deal so if you're looking for a host right now i can't think why you might be looking for a new host for your website you can get 50 percent off if you use the code switch it up at hostgator.com they've done something awesome go check them out 
support the show to support the prompt and all of 5x5 with HostGator. Thanks to them for sponsoring. What a deal, Federico. Yeah. I guess the it's not the, the big news this week on the, the, the Media Temple acquisition by mm-hmm. GoDaddy isn't really going well. <laughs> no. I mean, I've seen no. a lot of people, and by a lot, I mean hundreds, uh, you know, they're not happy with them. I guess that everybody is never happy when these things happen, you know, acquisitions, scary stuff. Especially when it, when it's something that you really care about, such a such as your hosting provider. Yep. But you know, stuff happens. Mm-hmm. We're still here. Yeah. Everything is good. It gets you money off with awesome people. Yeah. So. So, Mike, mm-hmm. tell me, how have you been spending your free time? And by free time, I mean with your Nintendo DS. This weekend. I don't want to know about your free time in general. (laughs) So this weekend, I have been spending my free time playing Pokemon Y. Nice. Nice. So why did you pick the the Y version? Um, I just like the look of the legendary Pokemon (laughs) a bit more. Okay. You know? That's that's a great reason. I think that's important enough, right? Yeah. Yeah. so that obviously we we're not necessarily going to talk about Pokemon. Um, unfortunately, Federico has not bought a copy yet. You really, oh, no. Federico, you really, really should. So I know. I just got too many reviews to write, so and I, and I got an Apple event next week. I, I don't know how, how am I gonna. I know that I will buy it this week because I will find a reason and I will come up with excuses and I will buy the game. I I would like to battle you over the internet, so you know, <laughs> okay. yeah, find a way to do that too. Um, the game's great, but what what I wanted to mention, and we're going to talk about we're going to talk about sort of Nintendo again. We spoke about it a few weeks ago on the show. Um, they have sold in the opening weekend four million copies of Pokemon X and Y. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's people said this on Twitter, but clearly they don't need iOS right now. You know, they're doing perfectly okay. Four million in one weekend. Yeah, it it was a a worldwide release. Which is new for the Pokemon series because they they used to do you know the Japanese launch and then a few months later the the US launch and the European um, launch mm-hmm. and um, but yeah it's a big number you know and uh, and this is just the first two days can you imagine all the Thanksgiving Black Friday Christmas and Christmas sales mm-hmm. uh, I think that is gonna be crazy yeah and I I, 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 would, I would I remember that. Um, the previous record was for the black and white two version, who's, which sold uh, seventeen million copies. I would guess I can't remember. Um, but yeah, four million in the in the first two days. Uh, I think that I think that Nintendo said that it's a new record for the franchise. I think the uh, 2DS helped as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. funnily enough, and I, I love how at the time Nintendo were like, "No, these two things are unrelated." Really. You see, um, a lot of people think that Nintendo is stupid, and uh, and that's not really the case. They are an extremely smart company, and they know how to get money from their fans, and not just because they are ripping people off. And uh, they know how to make great games, 
and now to release them at the right time with the right hardware that backs them up. And the 2DS, you know, people have been saying it's a cheap device, it's a toy, how can you release such a thing in the, in the age of tablets and, and iPhones? And uh, they have a point, because I'm not saying that Apple doesn't make nice hardware, of course, but I'm saying that not every kind of hardware needs to be like Apple's. The Nintendo 2DS, it's a, it's a very bulky device, uh, plastic, uh, no, you know, no clamshell design, just a single piece of plastic and, 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 and touch screen and, and a top display. Uh, that's really kid proof, mm-hmm. even more than the, the, the original 3DS design. Even though that I, I think that the, the 3DS XL, it's really, really nice. Yeah, I've got a 3DS uh, and I kind of want the XL. Yeah, I, I got the I got the first one too. So um, I haven't done the math, but I think that if you average, uh, let's say thirty dollars for each game that Nintendo sells, for a million, that's a lot of money. That's enough money to to sustain operations for quite a while, mm-hmm. and that's just money from the games and from a, a, from two games. And they'll make so, more money off the potential hardware sales, you know? Yeah. They don't have to share and, uh, that, the, that money with anybody. Yeah, and, um, and, you know, I really have good memories about the Pokemon games. And I, I remember when I was, uh, when I, was I guess, uh, 10, I, I, can't rem- I can't remember how I found out about Pokemon when I was a kid, but I do remember that I forced my parents to, to drive me to Rome because uh, uh, I didn't know, but I imagined that there was a video game store <laughs> in Rome uh, that would have the American version of the games. So I forced my parents, who don't like Rome, by the way, to drive me there one day and to, and to buy me the, the Pokemon. Uh, I think it was the blue version that I got first. And, and, I, and I was smart back then because I used the excuse that because of the game, I would learn English more. So I was really clever in convincing my mother to convince my dad to do it. And um, so I've been playing Pokemon for years. I kind of stopped after the, uh, the Ruby version. I don't know, Mike, if you played the black and white and black and white too. And played, played every single one, Federico. Oh, man. So you're an expert. Mm-hmm. So um, I've been thinking about, about this idea. And, I be, and, 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 you know, I have some friends about the game. And uh, so I, I have this quick... Uh, topic that I want to discuss okay. with you. Do you think that in Nintendo games, especially Pokemon, but maybe other games too, there is a, a sense of, of a discovery, of, of finding things that maybe you're not supposed to find right now, but the develop, that the developers put in there? And do you have that there is a sense of surprise, in, in, especially in Nintendo games, a sense of surprise that it's often lost in, in games for, for smartphones and tablets? Like, do you feel like Nintendo makes games that are maybe not as mobile as and, and accessible as, uh, I don't know, Angry Birds? Or uh, I always bring up Angry Birds because it's really the stereotype yeah. of mobile game. But do you feel like there is a, a level of, of care and a level of wanting to surprise the player that you can't find on other platforms and especially mobile games, which are always quick, you know, you have very short play sessions, etc. I think rather than mobile, the, the better word would be casual. 
because mm. you know the po- Pokemon is a mobile game; it's not a handheld device. But it's it, a portable game. Yeah, it's it's the casual games like mm. that are Angry Birds and stuff. They're the ones that are like you are. You can play for an hour if you want to, but really they're meant for like jump in, play a few minutes, jump out. Like that's how they're created to be played like that. So, you know, people can just get quick games, quick games, quick games, you know. And I don't think Pokemon is, is made to be that. I don't think that Mario is made to be that. Um, Luigi's Mansion, and we, you've included an awesome link in the show notes that explains a lot of this stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. from an interview uh, with the Luigi's Mansion developers and they talk about like the, the surprise and stuff like that and maybe you want to talk about that briefly in a moment but I don't basically I don't think that Pokemon could translate properly to the iPhone it's yes. just not the place to play it um, I like to be able to immerse myself in those sorts of games with that specified hardware that is built to play those games. It has all of the buttons that I need. It you know, it has two screens because that's the way that they're made now. So you can have, you know, all of your maps and stuff on the bottom screen and you can have the gameplay on the top screen and that's excellent. You know, that's the way that that works now and that is better than it's ever been. The, these games are made to be played on these devices and these devices aren't, you know, conducive to you pick them up for a minute while you're standing in line because you won't necessarily have them in your pocket all the time like you do your phone. I don't think that these games would translate to iOS like Mario. You know, I don't think that Zelda, I don't think that Pokemon, I don't think like that Luigi's Mansion or Kirby, I don't think that these games would translate properly because Mm -hmm. they're just not casual games. So let me quote this uh, this, uh, piece of the interview and then ask you another question. Mm -hmm. So this is an interview with the, with the developers of Luigi's Mansion 2, which was released uh, a few months ago. And the developers are talking about the, the, the input and the direction that Miyamoto gave them. And uh, so this goes. Anyway, his high-level sensei direction is reward the player who goes left. And the farther left you go, the bigger the rewards. So he's talking about the fact that uh, with, the first, uh, with the first games... You know, in the 80s and the 90s, uh, the side-scrolling games, you had to go right. You know, you had to, to, to proceed to, to the right. And um, whereas uh, when Miyamoto came up with the idea of enabling users to go left, he actually put a lot of uh, surprises and Easter eggs uh, for those who went left. And so Nintendo since then has been following this idea, you know, of rewarding the player who does unexpected things. So I guess my question is twofold. Uh, the first one is, is uh, have you found any iOS games that show this kind of attention to surprising the player? And the second one is, do you think that this idea can be applied to software too? And especially apps, when you, when you maybe you do something that you're not supposed to, and it shows that the, that the developer has thought about that kind of edge case. I can say that of all of the games that I have kept on my phone because I think they're the best for the phone, you know, my favorite iPhone games are all casual games. So they don't, and I can't say that I've had any do that sort of like surprising, you know, 
some of my favorite games of all time, like Peggle and Jetpack Joyride, they do awesome things. They do really funny things and cool things. But surprise is in a ha this is funny, not like a surprise is in I've found an Easter egg, you know? Um, which that I guess I don't really I don't really think I've had that so much. I think that that stuff does happen with really really nicely designed apps, and you know, like Sean Blanc talks about that with uh, designers in the detail, delighters mm-hmm. in the details, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think that you know that that stuff does exist. Like you do come across that, you know, um, now and again in in cool apps, you see like these fun little things that pop out. But I don't think I don't know if it's necessarily to that to that extent. What do you think about that, Federico? I want to know what you think about that. Hmm. I think that in theory, it's it's an idea that could be applied to both, uh, you know, to games and to apps. You know, this 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 willingness to to impress and to delight by accounting for situations where you don't expect the user or the player to be in, and uh, and I think that you you brought up the, the the book that Sean wrote, and and that's a great example. But in games, and uh, I think that I wanted to I wanted to to, to cover this on on, the, on this episode because um, this is really one of the points that all these people who claim that Nintendo should do iOS games just like any other company is it is a point that they don't get. They don't get the fact that because of a uh, I guess the, the the fact that the App Store, and not just the Apple App Store, but all the other App Stores, they are the kind of market that, you know, kind of tries to bring down the prices. You know, cheap games, cheap uh, casual games, just to kill a few minutes of time when you have it. Nintendo isn't that kind of company. And, uh, and I know this, this is a really uh, tiring topic for many of our listeners, uh, but I want to bring this up again because uh, the release of Pokemon showed this to me that people still care about these games mm-hmm. and they care about the way that Nintendo makes these games. They are not using using in-app purchases or, you know, all those uh, kind of yep. modern tactics. You don't to... buy Pokeballs with real money. Can you imagine that? That's how it would yeah. be, yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and I guess that some people would like to see Nintendo doing that because you have to maximize profits or revenue or whatever. And uh, I do believe that Nintendo is genuinely a company that wants to do great games and sell, it, and sell them at a fair price and uh, with a simple pricing strategy, with their own hardware, you know, without having to use all these shady tactics to monetize and to 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 whatever it is that these modern gaming companies are doing, and uh, and 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 the fact that that in doing so they care about such a minor aspect, such as surprising the the player with uh, by going left instead of right. That is one of the one of the traits of Nintendo that many people don't get. And I'm not saying that I'm a Nintendo expert and that I get the company, but I do a lot of reading. And and this kept coming up. So I had these uh, interviews saved in Evernote for a few months now, and I thought that this was really the moment to to bring this up because Pokemon is selling well, and uh, and uh, and I thought you know people are still buying these games, 
even even in the era of the iPhone and the iPad and the Android phones, people still care about spending 40 bucks to to buy a game that is not a an Angry Birds or Farmville or or puzzle game that can help you spend a few minutes. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think that I think that and especially I think that even new generations of kids they can see when a when a game kind of gets you su- such like Pokemon can. Yeah. And you spend hours and hours playing the game instead of, you know, oh dad, give me the iPad. I want to I want to play for a few minutes. Like it's not yeah, you you're sitting down to make an activity of it. Mm-hmm. I agree. Awesome. Yeah. So I I gotta I gotta buy Pokemon now. Yeah, you do. I convinced myself by talking about this to to buy Pokemon. Excellent. That's why I wanted to hear. <laughs> so thank you, Federica. Thanks for that. And I guess we come to the end of the show today. Oh man, I've enjoyed I, it I, immensely. I, I want to keep talking to you. I feel like this is like the Federico special. Like we've had URL schemes and Nintendo. Yeah. This is like, you know, as Federico as a show could be. And I love that. I feel like I'm slowly turning into you. I have to start drinking espresso. Stuff like that. You know, That's my next uh, thing now. It's only 11.30 for you. It's time, it's for, time a- for an espresso. <laughs> yeah, why not? And next week I'll record from my bathroom too. Okay. You know, just so, just so I, I'm just becoming more and more Federico every day. You so, know that I am I am in the bathroom. Of course today. you are. Okay. Of course you are. Because your okay. ISP is on fire again. <laughs> yeah, apparently, yeah. <laughs> so if you want to catch up with Federico online, you can do that by going to maxstories.net where you'll find his amazing reviews and there's some already awesome reviews been posted this week and I believe a, a few more over the next week. Maybe. Maybe, maybe. Keep watching the skies. Got some awesome ones coming, I'm sure, because Federico keeps telling me how busy he is. So that can only mean he's working on some amazing things. And you can find him on Twitter as well. He's at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. I am iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. And we'll be back next week. Don't forget, you can also follow the show. We are uh, at underscore the prompt. It's a great place to send in feedback. That's where we love to have your feedback. So it's at underscore the prompt. Send that in there. And uh, we'll be back next week, won't we, Federico? Arrivederci. See you later.